If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of 1 John as we continue in our series through John's first letter. This evening our text will be in chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And the word of the Lord is completely authoritative. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him who loves God, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, we ask this evening that you would teach us to love, that you would teach us to love because you have first loved us, that we might see God in our midst because of the love we have for each other. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. It is not for no reason that John is called the Apostle of Love. If this evening's text sounds familiar in your ears, it should, because 
John has brought to our attention several times now in this short letter the absolute necessity of love in the life of the Christian. He has also reminded us that love is closely connected to the truth and that we must know the truth in order to love properly. And if we know the truth, it must bring about love in us. And if this is not the case, then we do not really know the truth. So this evening we're going to look at what it means to see true love. And the first thing we see is that God is the source of love. This is how John begins in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is in the very nature of God. You see, this is such a central factor, such a central identity of who God is, that John keeps repeating this over and over again. This is, as we have said, not the first time. The first time that he encouraged us to love was in chapter 2, in verses 7 through 11, and that was to show that we know Jesus. That if we know Jesus, we will love And then the second time was in chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. We saw that if we are to show that we are a new creation in Christ, that will manifest itself in love. And this is because love comes from God. Now this is important for us to remember, because love, contrary to what the world often says, is not an abstract principle. You know, so often we think of the things that are a part of the nature of God. Love, truth, mercy. As if they are somehow abstract principles apart from the being of God. That somehow we can judge God by these abstract principles. When the truth is that love exists because God exists. Because God is love and He loves. That is how we know love in the world. Were it not for the Lord our God, we would not know love. It is a part of who He is, of His being. And what that means then for us is, if we come from God, then we love. We partake in this sense of His nature. That attribute of the Lord is communicable to us. We love because He loves. We love because we come from God. And we love because He loved first. This means we must love as God defines it. Not as we would define it or as the world would define it. And what love means to God is sacrifice. It is other-centered at its core. And we can only have that kind of love if we are born of God. If we know the Lord, if we are born of God, if we have been changed by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will know that kind of love, that kind of love that was manifested first and foremost, greatest, on the cross. And you see then, for us, this makes for a test. Because if we think we can be of God 
and not love, we are wrong. You cannot say, I am of God, I know the Lord, and not love. This is what John says plainly. Whoever, it is the broadest statement you can make, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. If you do not love, you do not know God. You may think you know God, but you don't really know Him. And there's an encouragement to us about our relationship with the Lord if we see the work of the Lord in our midst through and manifested in love. You see, love is more than a gift that God gives to us. It is who He is. God is love, John says in verse 8. And the whole Trinity is involved in this kind of love. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we will see John pick up this theme throughout our passage. He will show how the Father loves, how the Son loves, and how the Spirit loves. All in our midst. Love is God's gift to us. You see, God is love, but we need to see love. And so therefore God is gracious to us and He shows it. John puts it forth here in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That is, God put it on display. He doesn't just tell us He loves. He shows us His love in a very personal way. He shows it in that He sent His Son, His only Son, into the world. But He didn't just send the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent His Son... With a purpose. He sent His Son to die so that we might live through Him. And perhaps most remarkable is that He sent His Son to die for sinners. Now stop and think about that for a moment. I think sometimes we dwell on the love of God in Jesus Christ from the perspective of the redeemed. And we are thankful but on some level, it's, it makes sense to us because we gather together as God's people. We do His service. We give Him praise. But that is not when God set His love upon us. It's when God set His love upon us when we were rebels, when we hated Him, when we sinned against Him, when we were not deserving of anything, let alone love. Now just... Stop for a moment and think about what that would look like in your own life. Imagine if you had some young person in your neighborhood who thought it was their God-given right to throw rocks and dirt and other things at your home and your cars. Imagine that at all hours of night they tried to set off your car alarms just to be annoying. Maybe perhaps they've come up and ring your doorbell at busy times of the day and then run away. These are all just minor annoyances. But could you imagine choosing that person to set your love on? To bring them into your home? To lay a feast before them? To be gracious to them? No, you would much rather have the young person who is helpful around your yard. Who helps to babysit your children who is polite and 
who is thankful in speech. But you see, God sets His love upon us when we are not lovely. When we are His enemies. And this really shows us the nature of God's love. That it is His gift to us. Something that we do not deserve in the least. Love is not only God's gift, it is also His work. How do we see the invisible God? John's answer is that we see God in the love that we have for one another. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. What John does here is he he shows how the love of God is manifested by His abiding in us and His being perfected in us. Now, have you stopped to think about the consequences of that for your own life? We all would, I think, if asked the question, desire to see the lost brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, to see the kingdom advance, to see missions go forward, to see evangelistic opportunities for our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, our co-workers. But if that's really what you desire, are you willing to be focused upon that? To not have it just be things that you talk about or wish for? Because you see, John has some sharp words for you. What he says is true, that the people out there have not seen God. They do not know what He is like. They do not know who He is. But he says they can find out. They can find out by observing those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, if you really want to see missions advance, if you really want to see the gospel go forward, if you really want evangelistic opportunities in your neighborhood and in your town, then you must begin by loving those who are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because that is how they will see God, John says. They will notice there is something different. That there is a love that binds the people of God. Now, at first glance, we could say, how would that be so impressive to them? There are all sorts of groups of people who get along and do things. Sports fans, hobbyists. But you see, the difference is, with followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ is the only place where people of every walk of life, of every age, of every background, of every tongue, tribe, and nation come together and they can love one another because of Jesus. Not because of a common interest. Not because they do things together. But they love one another because of the love of Christ. And you see, the world cannot help but see that. That's what John means. He says that this love manifests God first and foremost as He abides in us. And He opens this up in verses 13 through 16. He shows that we can understand love as God abides in us. First and foremost, our eyes are opened by love. How do we know that God is Abiding in us, as he says in verse 12. God abides in us. We know, John says, 
in verse 13, because He has given us His Spirit. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit is the one who opens our eyes, who gives us hearts of flesh. The Spirit is the one who allows us to know the love that God brings to us in Jesus. And then we begin to confess what love means. John says in verse 14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. Once we have the Spirit of God, then we begin to confess the truth of what love is. Love shows us that there is a lost world out there. Just like we were. That's how we know. The Spirit shows us that we can know that Jesus is the Son of God. And we confess that this is true. And then secondly, we know and confess that Jesus is also the Savior of the world. This means that Jesus is the only hope for any sinner. There is no other Savior. Jesus is the Savior for all of the world. And then thirdly, we know that God has sent Jesus... And we know that the motivation for God sending Jesus is the love that He manifests for His people. Look at verse 16. We have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. You see, this love that God has for us is the reason that He sent His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we begin to know the connection of love. And and this should not surprise us when we know that God is love. But remember that the reverse is not true. Love is not God. When we say that God is love, we don't mean that God is some sort of ball of emotions. We don't mean that John is describing for us the feminine side of God. No, God is love. And he defines what love is. It is not that love in the world is supreme. It is that God is supreme. And he manifests himself in his love for his people. If we are then to know what true love is, we need to know how it is set forth by God in his actions and in his word. We need to know God. Then we will know what true love is. And to abide in God then is to abide in love. Now, how often do we think about this? I think not as often as we should. It's one of the reasons why John keeps repeating himself. It's as if he's reciting to a child, trying to get us to remember and to make this the central core of our lives and being. The final thing that we see here was hinted at back in verse 12. That God's love is perfected in us. There is a perfecting love. Now what does it mean to have love perfected? Now we are not talking here about God's love in Himself. Because it's not as if we could perfect the nature or character of God. What we are talking about is God's love in us. 
how that can be perfected. And what this word for perfected means is to be completed or to be finished. This is the same word that our Lord Jesus Christ used upon the cross when he said, it is finished. It's the same word that is described when Jesus is described as having perfected our faith in Hebrews chapter 12. He has made it whole. He has made it complete. And what this perfected love looks like is first and foremost a confidence. A confidence before God. Look with verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. This is the context of the coming judgment. When Jesus returns, He comes with judgment. Now, I don't think I need to convince you that people don't like the idea of judgment. We try to avoid it. People don't want to be accountable. Why? Because so often we are unsure of where we stand. And so instead, we discount the idea of judgment. We act as if it will never happen. In a very practical way, this is the way some people deal with with the concept of death. They act as if it will never come. They don't even want to think about making any plans for death because somehow that makes it more real. But the reality is, if we have the love of God in us, we will not be afraid of the judgment. What we will want is the return of Jesus. We will want Him to come and to set all things right. Love casts out fear... Because there is no punishment to be afraid of. This becomes then a test for us. Are we afraid? Do you fear? Why? Rather instead, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Know and experience His love. Have His love perfected in you that that love might cast out fear and that you might long for His return. We also see this kind of love practically manifested in the way that we love the brethren. Love is perfected in our love for each other. Now, love does begin with God. We see this in verse 19. We love because He first loved us. It follows from His nature. And that means that as we love, we must love as He loves. It means we must follow His purpose for love in our love. To try and have a different kind of love shows we don't even really know what true love is. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He doesn't understand what love is. Because if we love God, we could not help but love our brother. John keeps bringing these tests before us so that we are not allowed to pretend and merely use words. First, he gave us a moral test earlier in the book, in chapter 1. If we say we have fellowship with God, we're not permitted to walk in darkness, we're liars. 
Then there was a doctrinal test. If we say we know God and we do not confess that Jesus is the Christ, then we are again liars. We saw this in chapter 2 and just last week in chapter 4, verse 2. Now there is a relational test that is placed before us. If we say we love God, but we do not love our brothers and sisters, we fail. You see, because there is a deep connection between these kinds of love. We cannot love the unseen God and not love the seen brother. Because we know that our brother is made in the image of God. And as believers, we ought to know that they are loved by God. We know that God has sacrificed. We know that Jesus has died upon the cross for our brothers. How can we say we love God and who He is and His purpose and His will and yet hate our brothers? The last and final thing we see here about perfecting love is simple but profound and difficult. Have you ever had the challenge of trying to get your children to do something? And the incessant question comes back, why? And really, all you can say in the moment is, because I've told you so. Obey, because I have asked you to. It's very simple, it's very profound, but it's very difficult to achieve. Obeying for obedience sake is a real challenge. But that's the challenge that's placed before us here this evening by John. He says in verse 21 in conclusion, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's the final word. The last and simplest point that he makes is, we must obey Jesus. Jesus has told us what love is. Jesus has told us what the love of God does how it changes us. And this is something that we must undertake today. There is no excuse for delay or disobedience. We are called by our Lord Jesus Christ to love our brothers, to show that we love God. This is the work of Jesus in our midst. It is something that you can put into practice this very evening and to carry it through throughout the following days and weeks. If we are to know true love, we must listen to the Lord our God. We must see the love that He has showered upon us. We must understand the sacrifices that He has made because of His love for us. We must know that we are changed and we are capable of such love. That is what true love means to the believer in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have shown us love. That you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That he might die for us sinners, enemies to you, O Lord. That we might be redeemed and changed. That our hearts might be made anew. That we might know what love is and that we might carry on your love perfected in us. Lord, we ask that you would give us opportunities to love one another, even today and this week. That you would remind us that we are your children. 
that you have set your love upon us first. This we ask in the name above all names, the name of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.